in our country, in the United States of America. One of the things that just stands out to me, now something else may completely stand out different to you. Because I'm a preacher, I probably look at things a little different than probably most folks. I have to tell you, the morality of America is just, it, it's just, it just blows me away. Man, the crime the crime in America is just rampant. Okay, and we can talk about that, and it just doesn't seem like uh, anything is being done for it. And I am, I, I admit it, I'm kind of a news buff. I like, I like watching the news. And I have to tell you, for heaven's sakes, our leaders in America today cannot even define what a woman is. Hey, that's a problem. That's a problem. When our leadership can't even define what a woman is. So when I think back about 2023, I'm just saying these are things that come to my mind. Well, if I start thinking about the state, and I'm talking about Texas, I guess the border control is probably the top issue that I think about our state. This is a little funny. We were in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, our family Christmas uh, group. We went up to Colorado, and and uh, they went skiing. I didn't go skiing. But we were in a little old restaurant, and the waitress came up and was talking to Bo and asked Bo. He says, well, young man, what state are you from? He says, I'm not from a state. I'm from Texas. Believe me, he had no idea the impact that that statement had, but he wasn't from a state, he's from Texas. 
Well, one thing about Texas I think about is all the news about the border and the control and how many people are coming, all those things. Well, I mentioned that we reflect. We reflect back on our county. We're getting a little closer to home. When I think about our county in 2023, I see some people are not don't even this don't even register on their calendar the homelessness that we have in Polk County see a lot of people don't even know that people come by our church just needing a place to stay just this last month we had young one young man he stayed three nights in our fellowship hall here a couple of nights ago we had another man stay in in our our Sunday school educational building, just needing a place to get out of the weather, to get out of the... So I've slept in my truck for six nights in a row. He says, do you think I can just sleep on the floor somewhere? I said, I've got a place for you. Homeless. Just homeless. See, a lot of people don't recognize. I'm thinking about our county and the homelessness problem that we have. People in a Polk County are hungry. I can remember about three or four years ago working at the Center of Hope. If we had 250, 300 people in a month, families, we had 300 people, of, 300 families come through the Center of Hope in a month. Man, we've had a lot of people come. This last November, we had over 1,000 families come through the Center of Hope that we fed because... Our society and the economy and the prices have gone up that more families are just needing help with their grocery bill, things in our county. So when we look back over 2023 and we're thinking about the world around us, our country, our state, our county, then I think about our church. Now this, of course, is a little more personal to me than, than it is to some. But I think back, and one of the things that I think about is our attendance. And I think you've heard me mention it before. Our attendance has never recovered from the pandemic. Back in 2020, we were running 130, 140. It was not unusual for us to occasionally reach out there and have 160. Since then, today we run between 60 and 80 from week to week. And... I just think about 2023 and I think, my goodness, God, what can I do to, to, to help increase attendance, to help increase uh, interest in our church? And, and I have to tell you, I, I went over, I got on the internet and I went to, to uh, some of the surveys that were taken. Church attendance around the country is down since the pandemic. Physical church attendance is down. Even, even the ones that claim to attend church, 30% of them are attending church virtually or online. And they, they still think, you know, they consider that as being in church, even though they're not physically there. They, they consider that. So I'm thinking, now I don't know what you might think over the 2023, 
you might be considering, so, well, I've done pretty good this year. I attended, you know, this amount of time or that amount of time. But Another one that I mentioned that we think about is family. I have to tell you, that's hitting me closer to home than it's ever been before. I am trying now. I used to would never miss a Sunday. Even though I get vacation time, I used to never miss a Sunday to go on vacation. And uh, I have sacrificed some of my family as a result of that. I, I've tried to do better. I, I was gone two Sundays in December. Now that's, <laughs> you can just ask just about anybody. That just don't happen for Wayne Bickley. But, but it's gotten to be, how important is our family and how much time have we spent, listen to this, teaching and influencing our family compared to the amount of time and the importance that we put on work and our own entertainment. Now, and I, I'm not fussing. I'm just saying that there is a balance there. There is a balance there. And family is important. So we look back over 2023. How did we balance it? Do we need to make any changes to that? The last thing that I want to mention was over the last 2023, 20, how is my relationship with Christ? Is my relationship in 2023, did it go closer to the Lord? Did I learn more about God's Word in 2023 throughout the year? Or was it at a standstill? Or did I just take 2023 off? And not spend time with the Lord at all. So when I tell us, and I just throw these words out there, and I mention that these are the things that are taking place, let's examine 2023. I was looking, I was looking back over my some of the sermons and the messages that I preached. I found one from 1997 that I preached over New Year's. I could not find a single New Year's message that I preached that did not include us looking back over the year, inventorying, inventorying where we had in our relationship and challenging us to do better for the, for the, the next year. Every single sermon that I preached at New Year's have been that kind of a message and today is not going to be any different. I love the fact that God gives us a chance to go, okay, we're at the end of this, let's start over and let's try to do better this time. Baseball does that. They have a season. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but when at the end of the season you go, okay, this is what we're going to do to make it better next year. I'm going to practice more. I'm going to, I'm going to go bat and practice more. I'm going to, I'm going to field more. I'm, I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to be in better shape. I'm going to do better next year. I hope that we come in here today going, okay, this is over, nothing I can do about the past, but I tell you what, I can change things starting today for the new year. Whether it's with our country, our county, our, our church, our own personal relationship, I can do something different today. I mentioned that uh, this verse kind of stood out to me during the week. I couldn't get away with it. 
I, I didn't think that this was an appropriate verse uh, to use for a New Year's uh, sermon, but this is, this is where the Lord led me. I'm asking you to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. And that word manifest means it has been made revealed. In other words, I am manifesting, watch this, my Bible now has been made manifest to you. You can see it. Is my Bible made manifest to you now? No, you can't see it. Oh, I've just made it manifest again. I've used the example before that it's like putting a spotlight on it. It's shining it. It's putting it in the light of things. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest. It is made known to us in them, for God hath showed it unto them. The title of my message is, Let Truth Reign. Let Truth Reign. The reason I use that title, we go back up into verse 18. First part of that verse is saying that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. Now watch this next word, couple of words. Who hold the truth. Who hold the truth. In other words, the wrath of God is going to be poured out and it's going to be revealed to those who hold the truth who know the truth. They know what righteousness is and they reject righteousness. They know what right is, but they reject right and they accept wrong. Those who hold righteousness, they hold the truth. Now, I don't mind telling you when you read through and we might, if we take the time, if we have the time, we'll read some of these other verses and, and this is what the scripture is going to say. He's going to say, listen, there's not going to be a single man that ever stands before God that's going to be able to say, well, wait a minute, I didn't know. Because this is what the scripture says. The scripture says that God has put enough information in nature that man is going to be without excuse. Everybody knows that there is a God. I don't care if you do say that you're an atheist. I don't care if you do say that you do not believe in God. The evidence is around you. You are making a conscious decision to reject God. Many that know and hold the truth in them, knowing right and wrong, they, they still choose out of their own conscious decisions to reject right and accept wrong. Now, I want to give you an example in the scriptures that will help us better understand this. 
And, and one, of the, one of the scriptures I've got on the screen is John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus says unto them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It goes on to say that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am not dogmatic about the fact that if you do not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe that He died on the cross and rose from the grave for the forgiveness of your sins, it's not dogmatic to say if you don't know Jesus, you will not spend an eternity in heaven with God. That's not dogmatic. That's just simply reading and believing the Word of God. That's all that is. Okay? That's not dogmatic. You, you, you're not going to remove me from that foundation. I, I'll not give in to that. That's just simply what the Word of God says. I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. So I'm not being dogmatic about that. But one of the things that I noticed here, if you'll flip over to Jonah, the book of Jonah. Now, I'm going to give you a second to find it because it's not that easy to find. It's just a few pages long. Let me see if I can find it here. Nahum, Micah. There it is. It's sitting right between Micah and Obadiah. I know y'all know where those are. Obadiah is two pages long. Jonah is three pages long. So, uh, but turn to Jonah. Most of us, and I do, I do not take for granted that everybody knows the story of of Jonah. I, I talked to a lady one time, and she says I was I was sitting in the pew. I'd never been to church. My mom and daddy never took me to church. And the preacher got up and he says, "Well, you know about Jonah." And then he just moved right on. And she sat there and she said, no, I don't know anything about Jonah. But, I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume that you know a little bit about Jonah. But this is, this is what I want us to see here. And the fact that when we read John, uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, and it says, and they know the truth, or they hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know what's right, and they refuse to do it. Look what Jonah did here. We're going to read Jonah chapter 1, verse, first three verses here. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amathea, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus for the presence, from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare thereof, he went down into it to go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Now one thing that some people do not realize is that when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah, this is not the first time the Lord has called on Jonah and say, listen, I've got a job for you. As a matter of fact, if you go back to 2 Kings uh, chapter 14, verse 25, God tells Jonah, he says, I want you to go to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, and I've got a message I want you to give him. So when we recognize that Jonah is a prophet of the Lord, Jonah is familiar with the word of the Lord. He has communicated with God through the word of the Lord. Jonah knew there was no doubt in his mind when the word of the Lord came to him and he says, Jonah, I want you to go to this city I want you to go to Nineveh. I've got a message. I want you to give them. Jonah said 
No. Let me ask you. Did Jonah know the truth? Absolutely. He knew the truth. He knew right. He knew wrong. He chose to go against what God had called him to do. He had received the message. There was no doubt in Jonah's mind what he was supposed to do. He just didn't want to do it. Jonah heard the truth. There is no difference than what we do today when we know the truth about what God wants in our lives and for our lives and we refuse it and we turn away from it. This is a very old scripture. 2,000 years since Jesus, probably another, probably another, I'm going to guess, King Jeroboam, at least five, six hundred years. 2,500 years is the event when this took place. 2,500 years ago. And I want you to know it is just as applicable to us today as it was 2,500 years ago when Jonah said no to God. You need to understand there are consequences when you know the truth and you do not accept the truth and you deny the truth. There's consequences. So this is what we find. This is where we find Jonah. Now let me ask you. Let me ask you. Jonah had to have had a reason. Why would Jonah... I mean, he told, he told Jonah to go to King Jeroboam and give this message. He gladly went and gave that message. And you do a little research. Now you won't find it. And I've been using this a lot lately in some of my... Uh, teachings and stuff, if you go to the secular history of some of the things that took place to Jonah, what you recognize, if you read, and I remember teaching this here in this sanctuary before, the history of the Ninevites. The Ninevites were known to be the most brutal warriors that ever fought in world history. I mean, in front of their cities, they would... They would pile skulls up in front of their cities. And, and there's some more things that, that are way too graphic for me to even speak of. I spoke of them one other time. I wished I hadn't have. But they're gruesome pictures of what the Ninevites would do to their enemies. I mean, if they heard, you heard the Ninevites were coming, people would completely flee their cities and leave them empty before the Ninevites ever got there because the Ninevites were known for their brutality to human beings. That's how bad they were. It is believed that Jonah's mother, father, and family were massacred by the Ninevites. And you want me to go preach to them? No, I refuse. He was given the message. He was given the truth. He says, I don't care what you say. What I want to do and what I think is best is what I'm going to do. So, Jonah went to Joppa. He got on a boat, sailing off to Tarshish. 
That's what his plan was. Well, the Bible tells us in Romans, we go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against this. In other words, God is not going to be mocked. You're not going to tell God no and not suffer the consequences. There's going to be consequences to suffer. So this is what we see here. So he leaves and he goes from the presence of the Lord and he goes and he gets on this ship. Let me ask you this. <laughs> Was Jonah able to flee from the presence of the Lord? <laughs> he... He was just as close to the day that God told him that as he was when he was on that ship trying to get away. So let's look at a couple of more verses. Look in verse number 4. <coughs> Jonah is on this ship now. While he's on the ship, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried every man unto his God. They cast forth the waves, uh, the wares that were on the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. I want you to know this is pretty typical of someone running from the Lord. You see, what's taking place up on deck, the consequences of what Jonah done, Jonah's down there taking a nap. But the people around Jonah, the one that is fleeing from the Lord, they're struggling. They're suffering. The ship owner is up there. The profit that he's trying to make from this trip that he's taking right now the prophets, it's in the merchandise that he's got on the ship. He is now throwing all the merchandise over because he thinks the ship is fixing to break in half because the storm is so great. And Jonah is laying in the bottom of the boat asleep. No cares in the world. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I don't care how it affects those guys. I don't care how it affects anybody around me. I know the truth, but I refuse to accept it. Verse 6, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. He said, I know you're not a shipmate. I know that you've paid your fare. The least you can do is cry out to your God and say, Rescue us from this situation. Well, now you continue to read down through there. They, they had, some of them had had a conversation with Jonah. He had shared with them that he was fleeing from his God. Look down here in verse number 10. When they knew that Jonah was fleeing from his God, and he had told them, he said, listen, my God is the one who built and created and put the earth on. He's the one that created the seas. 
He's the one that raises the sun and sets the moon. He is the one that controls the weather. He is the one that created all the beasts of the fields and all the fish in the water. He says, that's the God that I serve. And then in verse 10 it says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be common to us? For the sea wrought and was tempest. Jonah gives them the answer. He said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be common to you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Listen, Jonah knew. Jonah knew, he said, the reason that all of this is happening right now is because I am refusing to accept the truth that God has brought to me. Now, you have to understand. Verse 13, it says, this is what the men on the ship were saying. They said, listen, now Jonah, we're going to respect your decision. Okay? Okay? For heaven's sakes, the last thing we want to do is throw a man overboard on purpose and then we have to accept the demise of your life is now on us. Nothing of our own fault because you're the one that have rejected the truth and now the wrath of God is being poured out on you. But we don't want to do this. We're going to support you in this decision. We're going to help you as best we can. It says then, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempest against them. In other words, man, we want to support you in this. Our ship is about to be tore up. We're going to try to get this thing to land. But it's not going to work. Verse 14, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, they cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. I was watching, uh, uh, I don't normally do this, maybe twice this whole year if I got up on a Sunday morning and, and stopped and turned to the news on. Hardly ever do I do that. Uh, but I, my throat was sore, I was sitting there drinking coffee and all kinds of stuff trying to get my throat cleared up. And I was watching Channel 13, Eyewitness News. And they were talking about that they were doing a... Um, well, I don't know what they call it. They were making a special focus because of this weekend on drunk drivers. They had a lady that stood up before and made a kind of a speech, a little bit of a speech... And she said, listen, please, for the sake of your family, don't drink and drive. Please, for the sake of these officers' families, don't drink and drive. Please, for the sake of my family, 
the one that was drunk and driving that killed my sister and her two children in her car for the sake of my family. Don't drink and drive. And see, what you have to understand what she is saying, she says, please, if you drink and drive, it comes with consequences, not just to yourself. The consequences spread vast and in long areas. It affects police officers. It affects families that you don't even know. It affects your family. You're going to go to prison, and now your family's without compensation, without in any way to support themselves. Consider the consequences when you choose to run from God. It doesn't just affect you. It's like a wave. And it goes out. And it causes a wave of effect. And this, listen, and I, I hope there's people listening today. Fathers that know the truth about Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came and died, knowing that the father of this family has children coming up. That father knowing the truth about sin and refusing to bring their children to church and let them learn about Jesus so that they might have an opportunity to be saved. The effects of that father rejecting the truth and not accepting the responsibility, now the children are going to suffer the consequences because they're never going to know about Jesus. Does that make any sense? Or am I, trying to, am I just trying to make a good message sound good up here? I'm telling you, there's consequences for rejecting the truth. That's what he says. The, uh, the next verse, I stopped short of finishing chapter 1 because it says, chapter, verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Don't think for one second that God has not prepared for our rebellion. We know that Scripture bears out that God made a place called hell and he did not make a place called hell for mankind. He made the place called hell for the angels and those who rebelled against him. And mankind chose to do exactly the same thing. And there is a place prepared for those that reject the truth. There's a place prepared. I, I love John chapter 14, 1, 2, and 3, where it says, If you believe in God, believe also in me. I go and prepare a place for you. I like that. I like that God is going to prepare a place for me. If I leave, I'll come and get you and bring you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There's a place. He's prepared. Well, guess what? When we read back here in Romans, that verse, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that they may be known of God, it's what they may should be known of God is made manifest unto them. In other words, there's not a person in this room that when we're doing something wrong, we don't know that it's wrong. But we choose to do it anyway. Praise God for verses like John chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to understand that that scripture was written to a group of believers because we all fall short. Another verse that I had in here was is uh, Psalms chapter 51. This is where where David had sinned and he came before God and he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. I want you to know this is what God desires from us. We will all sin against God. Some of it is intentional. Some of it is unintentional. But this is what God desires from us. He, he desires a broken heart. A, part, a heart that says, I'm sorry. Now, not the I'm sorry when you, your eight and your nine-year-old brothers are getting in a fight and mama brings you and makes you hug each other, makes you say I'm sorry to each other. I'm sorry. That's not the kind of I'm sorry God's looking for. I'm sorry God's looking for is when it comes from the heart. Oh my goodness gracious. Let me, let me finish up this morning. Jo- Jonah chapter 2 says, Then Jonah prayed into the, to the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cry by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. Now, I tell you, some some people, uh, they say that Jonah was dead and he was already in hell. That's not what this scripture is saying. I want you to know Jonah is in the, the fish's belly and it felt like he was in the depths of hell. It was so bad for him. He says, man, I can't believe I made this decision. I can't believe I ran away from God. I can't believe I've done this to myself. I want you to know Jonah thought it was going to be a whole lot better by rebelling than having to go and preach to those Ninevites. He regrets the decision he made because now he knows the truth is greater than his rebellion. He didn't think so at the time. How many times have we done that? Man, the grass looks greener on the other side. I think I'll just do this. And then we wake up and says, man, this is worse than hell. I wish I'd have made the right decision. Thou hast cast me into the depths, the midst of the sea, and the floods compass me about. All my billows and waves pass over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look unto and towards the holy temple. In other words, I just, this just flew into my mind. 
I, I want you to know Jonah thought that he had, he had been completely rejected and totally ignored by God. Scripture says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Then I thought about Jesus. That's the thought that just ran through my mind. Jesus says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God had not forsaken his son. His son was doing what he needed to do in order to save all mankind. Verse number 7 of chapter 2 says this. I, I hate it when we have to get ourselves to this position before we turn back to God, when we ignore the truth. Verse number 7, this is what Jonah said, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee unto thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice. He's telling now what I'll do. Verse 10 says, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and he vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I wish I had time to go back and read the rest of Romans down to about verse number 23 or 24. And then again, it explains that man is without excuse. Anyone who denies Jesus Christ, anyone who denies the Father, God's put enough evidence in this world around us to know that there is a God. In 2023, we've made decisions that we regret making. But guess what? We serve a God of second chances. But I'll promise you, there's not a person in this room right now that has not already taken advantage of that second chance. I doubt that there's very few of us in here that are on their third chance. <laughs> what chance are most of us on? 50, 70, 100. Aren't you glad that we serve a merciful and a compassionate God? His mercy is renewed every day. But for 2024, it hadn't got here yet. It is now exactly 18 hours from now. No. It's exactly 12 hours from now. It's exactly 12 hours from now. We're going to start a brand new year. Why don't we start 24, 2024 by letting the truth reign in our lives? And some of us may already made decisions of what we're going to do in 2024. And you recognize maybe as a result of this message this morning. That's not the right decision. Let truth reign. This morning, if you do not know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, the Scripture tells us that there's enough evidence in nature for you to know that there is a God. If there is a God, we read in the Scripture that He sent His Son so that you might have salvation through the death, burial, and the resurrection of His Son. Do not pass up that free gift. Acknowledge it today and accept Jesus as your Savior. Let's stand together. Fathers, we come this morning and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. God, my prayer is that we recognize the truth. Your word says that it is the truth. 
You are truth. God help us accept that and uh, turn from our own worldly desires and trust you in everything. God, we love you. God, we do. We want to be challenged by this new opportunity to spend a brand new year turning our lives around, committing ourselves to you for the rest of this year. We love you and we praise you. Be in this invitation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.